by the way. Did you get one too? You got one too. You there? I did. Mm. Welcome everybody to everybody to another episode of the <laughs> Nissan Nerd Podcast. Um, with me as always, Mike Talashmut, and I hey am guys. also your co-host, Miles Hall. Uh, we've got a lot in store for you today on this episode of the Nissan Nerd Podcast. Go ahead, Mike. Cool, guys. All right, guys. On this episode, a an R34 Skyline used in the Fast and Furious franchise uh, has been auctioned off for over a million dollars, setting a new record. Miles, I know you've got that one. Uh, also, the Nissan Formula E team has experienced massive success in its last race at the historic Monaco circuit. And as part of our back alley chat, uh, we're going to take a dive into front-wheel drive Nissan sports cars, specifically the Nissan Centro. So we're going to have some fun with this, guys. Stick with us. This is the Nissan Nerd Podcast. All right. All right, man. You feeling all right, man? You seem kind of glum. Uh, not glum. I'm just getting over um, a flu. Uh, I had a norovirus. What? 24 hours ago. So, what kind of virus? Norovirus. Interesting. Noro basically means uh, new in pig Latin. <laughs> in pig Latin, is that what it is? Well, I'm sorry to hear that, dude. Um that's uh, all right. I didn't lose it. I can hear it in your voice, man. I'm surprised you didn't uh, ask for some time off, man. Thanks for uh, <sighs> well, staying ner- dedicated. Nissan nerds, Nissan nerds don't get time off, so <laughs> we just hustle through. So they're doing all right, man. Okay, but I'll uh, I'll make it through. Uh, I'll be all right. I got water, and uh, I'm not seeing blurred vision anymore, and I have control of my bodily function. So let's see where the party takes us. All right, man. All right. You got anything special in your cup this weekend, uh, this time around, or is it just water? Water. Straight just water. Up water. It's wise choice. Pedialyte. <laughs> okay. Wise choice, man. I hope, uh, again, I hope you start feeling better. And, I'll be uh, fine. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, How about you? What you been up to? Man, uh, I'll be honest, man. These last two weeks have been insane. Um, Aside from work and family, we had a, a family member pass, which we've, we've gotten through. Uh, but, you know, things are kind of looking forward again, looking good. Um, honestly, I know um, I'm surprised we hadn't talked about this in the last, well, since we last spoke, though. But the new Fast and Furious movie is coming out tomorrow night. And at, even though it is a ridiculous franchise as of the last three or four episode uh, movies, I'm still, I'm still dedicated, man. I've been there since the first movie, even the second one. Third was all right. Fourth, fifth kind of came back around, but anything after the sixth, it's like, it gets harder and harder to believe. Uh, it gets uh, pretty rough. It gets pretty grand. I mean, it's these just big, um, uh, explosions and you know going into space. Like I just wish it kind of went back to the whole traditional street racing or. Uh, in general, but who's supposed to uh, come out in this one? Who's this one, one, oh, dude, uh, Jason Momoa. That makes sense. Yeah, with the long hair. We're just and, getting you know, anybody. That's it. We're throwing John Claude Van Damme in there. That's it. <laughs> 
You know, and this is what I've heard though. This Paul this, Rubens. Still Paul Rubens. Paul Rubens. You put PB Herman in. Uh, put PB Herman in it. In the Fast and Furious. You know, at this point, I I would believe it. I, I wouldn't be surprised. And what I've heard is that even though this is Fast X, so the tenth uh, movie, this is going to be I from what I've heard a three part, a three part. Oh, seriously, dude, I'm serious. It's going to be a three, at least a two, perhaps even a three parter. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I like the Fast and Furious stuff. It's okay, but I'm just like I'm to the point. Where it's like. God, are they going to be racing out of wheelchairs at some point? And it's just, I mean, heisting, I don't know, like, uh, I don't know. Who the, knows? Uh, <laughs> what is it? The insure? It's the, the great insure robbery at a you know, old folks home. They, they, they get away a, with a handicap. They, they hijacked a, an 18-wheeler of Depends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sell it on the black market. Family. Black market. Anyway, uh, Senior no. diapers, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's uh, just gotten a little bit. I personally it, think, it like, is. when they were at six, after Walker died, I think Seven. they had, like, one more. And then you bring back Han, I was like, all right, cool. And then after that, it was like, you got me with Han, and I kept staying around. And now I just feel like a trapped. Like, I'm trapped in this relationship. <laughs> just, <laughs> and I just want And you really That's... lost me in Nicki Minaj. That was like... Yeah. yeah, is that when like, it was done, or was it? No, no, Cardi B. It was Cardi B. Yeah, I Cardi think you're B, talking about part. right. Yeah, and Chalice Theron. I'm like, eh, I mean, she is actually a bit of a uh, a gearhead, but I'm like, um, yeah, yeah. She actually financed that whole online Netflix series. People don't oh, really know that the, she was the Fast and little uh, cartoon that they did on uh, Netflix. Uh-uh. No, no, the uh, the whole uh, was Schrader in it. All that was uh, oh. was her. She financed that. Wow. Or she was a brainchild, one of the two. I forgot what it was, but but I she was deeply involved. We'll leave it at that. That's why she was in that show. So, but yeah, apparently she's got a she's got a passion for it. But anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Needless to say, needless to say, I don't know if it's gonna hold me for three more three more episodes. Well, and that's the thing, like you said earlier, man. I'm 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 uh, at this we'll point, I'm I'm committed. So you know, I say at the end of this all, Jesse. Comes back from the first one. He turns out to be the bad guy. He's pissed because they shot him. Right. They never, never saw. Back his we never it's knew because of Volkswagen. We know he was shot, but we know we don't know whether or not he passed. You don't know if he passed. But also Vince was it Vince or Leo? Leo. Leo dumped out. Leo. You never heard anything that's about it. Leo. What happened to Leo? That's that's a whole he side. Gave up cars and uh, went on to be a Fortune 500 uh, <laughs> bank manager. He. Uh, he um, it's going to be like Leo's going to have his own version of like the Mandalorian, you know, like this whole sub series. It's going to be yeah. uh, oh, yeah. like Please. a Disney plus every single Lance in his snakeskin pants. They yeah. Take on Lance is going to have his own series. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Harry, him and his parts uh, store. Harry series. And the parts, it's like drinking oil or what's his name? <laughs> the guy that they made drink oil. Ted. Uh, yeah. Ted. You, uh, I got a question for you, Ted. Do you see uh, a problem yeah, yeah, here? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> All oh, those man. good backstories. Oh, my God. Anyway, yeah, all right, yeah. moving on. All so. right, all right. Uh, well, yeah, let's go ahead and acknowledge the crowd here, guys. For those of you that are with us uh, here through uh, YouTube Live, thank you for being with us. We see you guys in the comments. Uh, by the way, oh, man, uh, our comment, first comment here is from Harold 
Wickman, uh, great shout out by the way. Uh, within the last uh, since our last episode, Harold's actually what we're wearing right now are the Harold Bodicey shirts. I don't know where code. he got them from, but uh, <laughs> yeah, they uh, they turned out to fit real nice. Did you did you get the lobster uh, beads, Miles? I did get the lobster beads. I didn't know what Harold was expecting with those beads uh, for the payment for those beads. So usually when you get beads, beads, yeah, there's a, you, you had to do something dirty for them, right? I don't yeah. Know how that started. Yeah. It's yeah. A weird thing, but I'll take the mm. shirt. Thank you. <laughs> Mike can show off the goods. I'll show off the time. goods. I'm, off I'm, the I'm, I'm no prude here. I'll help you out, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Again, for those of you that are with us online, feel free to shout out to us in the uh, in the comments, and uh, we'll be interacting with you guys and and sharing some of your comments along the way. Uh, before we get into articles, Miles, uh, you want to do the kanpai? Is it my turn? Yeah, yeah, I'll do the kanpai. Why not? All right. Um, let's go ahead and raise them glasses. Hopefully filled. Um, and to our compai, a salute to those of the Nissan family whom we wish good health. And to those we may have lost, may we be reminded of them often. All right, guys. If you got it, join kanpai. us. Kanpai. Woo. Kanpai. Mm. I think we got a special shout out uh, for Kanpai too as well right now, right? We do. We do. We do. Actually, um, we want to give a shout out to our buddies out in North Carolina right now. The Z-Days, 20th annual Z-Days is happening right now. And we just got some live photos here. Uh, it is karaoke night in Blowing Rock, North Carolina right now. So all our buddies out at Z-Days having a great time this entire week. Uh, the uh, This festival is going on until late uh, Saturday, early uh, Sunday with the, uh, the whole, uh, oh, what would you call it? Just sending off at the end. So uh, for those of you that are near Blowing Rock, North Carolina, between now and the end of this weekend, you owe it to yourself as a Nissan fan to check out Z-Days. If you want more information, go to zdays.com. And uh, you'll get more information about it. Feel free to walk on up, man. Talk to Brian Settle. He's one of the uh, fellow organizers and longtime organizer uh, of the event. Uh, again, great group of guys. Uh, guys, have fun out there if you're seeing us. Uh, yeah, kanpai. Mm. Well, let's go ahead and get into Nissan News. Um, you know, Nissan News is where we uh, each scour the internet and share a article we like regarding Nissan, Dots, and Infinity News. Um, articles typically sourced from official newsrooms and from media outlets at large. Um, sometimes even the dark, deep cellar rumor closets where we get our information sometimes, but you never know. <laughs> um, now, uh, Michael, go ahead and let you jump into it. Um, it's actually been a good financial period for Nissan, and you're here to kind of talk about that a lot. I sure am. Uh, so I've got a pair of articles, uh, and they, uh, they are nerdy. They have to do with financials and Nissan, but uh, for those who are... Uh, Fans of Nissan, obviously, and specifically any type of financial gurus, man. Maybe this might be something you could bite on. Uh, Nissan is reporting surging profits among strong sales and an easy easing uh, chip crunch uh, here in the last quarter. Uh, this article here from uh, let's see, Agri News. There's multiple outlets. This is just the this just so happens to be one of the uh, more detailed ones, surprisingly. But uh, Regarding uh, this last quarter from January to March, Nissan is reporting a 700% surge in net profit compared to last year. Uh, to give you some specific numbers, the net profit totaled uh, $797 million 
that was only $105 million a year ago. So uh, huge, huge profits uh, reported. And uh, some of the sources of uh, this profit, they're saying, is riding on the popularity of its new model offerings. Uh, of course, we've, we've been talking about a number of them, specifically the new Z, the Pathfinder, the Frontier, uh, uh, amongst others. And uh, a quote from uh, CEO Uchida says that he acknowledges that are, that are still uh, serious challenges remaining, uh, especially in key markets like China. However, he does say that a midterm plan is being outlined later this year to transform Nissan into a truly healthy and resilient company. And they're aiming to achieve both sustainable growth and financial stability. Uh, as of their forecast uh, for the year ahead, uh, by this time next year, 2024, Nissan is expecting or forecasting a $2.4 billion uh, profit between now and, and then. So, you know, we're at $800, 798000000 million. We're looking to, uh, what is that, nearly triple that in the next 12 months, which is huge. That's a, that's a bold claim. Uh, obviously, they must have some really good data behind it, and uh, we'll see how it goes. And for anybody who are uh, stock market fans, um, Nissan stock is sitting at uh, $7.42. Uh, there was a surge here in the last five days. Uh, it has since dropped a little bit. Uh, that's actually some some news I wanted to share, which could yeah. Be. I, I was going to yeah. say that I felt like, and I watched that stock pretty religiously. Um, and yeah. I've been buying it at the seven mark, just above it, um, for quite a while. And the only thing that has changed, and I was like, okay, this we're going to start seeing it trickle into the eights and the nines, probably within the next you know coming weeks. And I think what happened is we had a situation uh, because um, one of uh, one of the uh, heads of Nissan, um, Gupta, had had stepped away. And I think people are trying to read the room when it comes to that right now. So the the, the price market I think is still low. So I don't know. I'm gonna I'm keeping my purchase right now, um, yeah. my steady purchase of the stock as I continue on, and uh, we'll keep you updated if we. Uh, if it goes up a little bit and I, uh, I have enough money to buy me what I want as far as a GTR. Just kidding. Yep. But, that, uh... that, that, that second half, uh, you mentioned uh, Gupta. Uh, it was sort of what I wanted to chime on to just briefly as well. Uh, what what Miles is referring to is that Nissan's chief, uh, operations chief, Aswani Gupta, is set to leave the Nissan board, uh, says the company. Uh, he will not be reelected to the board of directors. His term ends on June 27th. As of right now, it is unclear whether or not he will remain as a COO. Um, Mr. Gupta has actually had a really strong rise uh, within the company, uh, starting actually underneath the Datsun marquee in 2011, back in the day, has had a number of positions, uh, through the alliance, such as with Mitsubishi, and as of since twenty late twenty nineteen, he has been the COO of Nissan. Um, you know, Miles, for me and you, you know, we we report a lot, and this is what kind of one of the reasons why I wanted to uh, talk about this is we've shared a lot of Nissan uh, corporate videos and live streams over the past year, even. Yep. And Mr. Gupta has been a part of them. Uh, you know, the twenty twenty four GTR unveiling. Mm -hmm. Mr. Gupta was there. The uh, GT500 uh, Z entry uh, in Super GT. 
Correct. Aswani Gupta was there. Uh, and also uh, a number of uh, Nissan and Nismo Motorsports uh, fan videos uh, uh, he's been a part of. So at least for me, and I, I would assume you too, we've, we've seen a lot of them. And uh, we don't know exactly what uh, is happening. A lot of these articles are saying this is what they quote a uh, boardroom shakeup. Uh, we don't know. Uh, you never know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's hard to say. Maybe they're going in a different direction and somebody doesn't agree or – you know, sometimes people age out <laughs> or, you know, the company's going in a different direction. Some people, uh, you know, don't embrace the change. And that is what it is. Hard to say, but, you know, maybe we'll find out as uh, as time moves on. So. Do you, uh, this might be too soon. Do you think he'll have to exit in a music box or stop? Okay, I'll stop, I'll stop, I'll stop. Next, okay. <laughs> Miles, you've got the next article. Uh, you want to go and talk about it? Yeah. Um, so uh, speaking of GTRs and Skylines, and we were talking about the Fast and Furious series earlier. Um, so with that being said, um, there has been some news within the auction world, uh, primarily due to um, Brian uh, Spilner, a.k.a. Brian uh, from the uh, Fast and Furious franchise. Uh, Paul Walker. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Paul Walker. Again, still cloudy. Calm down. So, uh, Paul Walker from the, um, uh, oh my God, from the uh, Fast and Furious series. Um, there was some news that came out with the skyline that was utilized by him in the um, in the uh, the fourth uh, version, uh, fourth of the Fast and Furious series. Um, the R34 that was within that film uh, sold at auction. Um, it actually ended up breaking the um uh, setting the record for the highest paid uh highest auctioned off um, japanese import um to wow. date um so currently uh before that it actually was held by the by a toyota um for the original the 2000 um that first gen uh mm-hmm. the 2000 um, oh, yes gt uh 2000 yeah, it was something. It was somewhere around six hundred thousand. Um, this one came in at one point three five seven million dollars. Um, now, the funny thing about this is a, a lot of that car was um, was designed by Paul Walker, or basically influenced by Paul Walker um, to be in the movie. Like all the little accents and all the um, uh, like small details. He he chose not to put any stickers on the vehicle. He really wanted to accent a lot of the car's body lines. Um, he customized a lot of the vehicle that people don't really know, like the rear reverse lights, uh, the rear brake lights, or, or excuse me, the, uh, yeah, the rear backing lights uh, or rear fog lights, as they like, they sometimes call it in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, those are actually uh, cleared out. Um, and then from there, he modified it with like OMP race seats that were fixed seats. Um, in that vehicle, uh, Momo steering wheel, um, Nismo exhaust. So, I mean, the car was definitely tricked out um, for the movie in his regard, in by his request. <clears throat> now, the seat was actually fixed in that position and never changed because shortly after that, v- the movie was uh, completed, uh, the vehicle um, actually started a kind of a lucrative story after that. Mm. Um, it was actually seized. Um, for those that don't know, because it was actually imported under, dare we say, questionable means. Um, so the, uh, let me see here. I forgot what division of the authorities it was. Um, but they actually end up taking possession of this vehicle, um, after that, 
And uh, from that point, um, excuse me, Customs and Border Protection seized the car early uh, during Fast and Five production uh, due to legal questions surrounding its importation. Uh, the Skyline uh, was brought back into Japan and purchased by Kaizo, um, which is a, a company out there. And they basically took the engine out of it um, and disassembled a lot of the vehicle and then sent it back to the United States to get reassembled in California. And then from there, it did some lengthy legal battle, ended up in Germany for some reason, (laughs) and then um, made its way back to the States from what I've gathered. And then it was basically on display um, as a display vehicle for a long period of time. Um, Some of that without an engine, some of it with an engine, because it actually was obviously um, from that time period, um, from as long as it's been, it's gone through basically a lot of sitting on the shelf time. And then at some point, uh, the vehicle was made roadworthy, and then it went up straight for auction. And then um, it went out for auction and sold for the outstanding amount that it did. So that's wow. kind of crazy. How many engine pools, how many types of, you know, no black idea. market, gray, gray area, and still after all that's uh, you know, it's hard to say. Highest. I mean, it could have been perfect. You know, uh, you know, when you're talking dollars like that, sometimes you kind of get what you pay for. So maybe they actually took the vehicle, you know, restored it, knowing that it's a historic vehicle. Um, the mm-hmm. thing that gets me is just, you know, once you have legalization issues, it's just so crazy to get past that stuff. But, I mean, it's not like it cannot be done. I mean, but maybe they were just waiting it out for the R34 to become technically legal. Which recently just happened as early as I think earlier this month was the which made the 1998 Skyline. This could be a 98 or you said 2000, but um, the first this generation of uh GTR has just within the last month, yeah. This was a 2000, yeah. 2000, yeah. Um, yeah, you you know, know, yeah, there's um, you know, it's hard enough to get paperwork right on a car that. That's just built here in the U.S. You ever had titling issues, much less customs and titling issues? That is a that's a hurdle. That's a hurdle, man. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like there was a lot of uh, musical chairs with engines and parts and things like that. But I mean, at some point, somebody truly wanted the vehicle and and purchased it. Um, I don't have any details who purchased it. Obviously, it probably went private, so nobody would you know retaliate with potentially (laughs) yeah i mean sometimes at at a certain point some people want to be uh incognito when it comes to those type of purchases um but is again it was a new auction world record for a uh, nissan skyline gtr as well uh the last gtr that sold and hit a record uh sold last year and that was five hundred and seventy seven thousand five hundred dollars um this obviously uh doubled that Mm -hmm. um but of course, the famous name of Paul Walker was attached to it, and that uh, is at to date the the most expensive import car ever sold at auction, from what this yeah. Jalopnik article says. That's what a lot of auctions do, though, too. And I'm sure you've noticed this: is that when people see this, especially when it's been shared out through multiple media outlets, people start to feel that it sets a precedent for future auctions. Oh yeah. Totally. But you, people got to understand this was a franchise movie. There was a very famous uh, actor who's since passed who was a, obviously a diehard enthusiast at the same time. 
this is the rarest it, it is rare not only because of the car it is but who was involved with its build or uh what, what you know the movie especially in hollywood it, it was used by a production company um yeah yeah man uh Hopefully, uh, again, as these, as this generation of Z car, or, I'm sorry, of a uh, Skyline GTR uh, finds its way into the states now, a little bit more accessible uh, here in the coming months and years. Now, hopefully, uh, I, the prices are going to be high still, but hopefully, they're still um, reasonable. It's kind of hard to say, but I don't know. <laughs> you never know. know. It's R34 a beautiful car, is kind of is probably one of the most sought after vehicles. Um, excuse me, models in that generation. I mean, it's just. It's I agree. You know, it's a beautiful car. Yeah, beautiful so, car. Somebody put in the wrench time. All right, moving along. <laughs> so, okay. it feels like it's going to be a lot of Fast and Furious references for the night. Oh, somebody didn't catch long. that. So, um, yeah. moving along, uh, let's go ahead and check the comments. Doesn't look like we have much for comments tonight, so we'll go ahead and move on. Okay, one um, from Terry, by the way. Just want to say howdy back out to Terry. Thanks for being with hey. us. Appreciate that. Uh, let's talk about motorsports a little bit. Uh, now we're going to talk about um, a segment where we look into Nissan's current racing portfolio, race entries, and how they're basically doing in all those competitive sports. Um, currently, right yeah. now, obviously, Nissan has a strong uh, footing in Super GT based in Japan. Um, and, Mike, I am going to take the steering wheel in just a second. Sure. Let's see here. Gotcha. Now, a series for um, Super GT um, just finished up recently. Uh, this was just uh, the May 3rd um, and May 4th. It was the racing weekend. Uh, this race was held for round two of 2023 Super GT um, at Fuji. And, um, of course, that was over. Um, it was actually uh, not a racing weekend. I apologize. It was actually a Wednesday and a Thursday race. If it didn't throw anybody else mm -hmm. off, like it threw me off. Um, <laughs> I remember giving the updates. I'm like, what's happening on a Wednesday and a Thursday? But it's just the way it worked out. So um, this race kind of ups and downs for Nissan in the 500 series. Uh, 300 series, very strong. Let's go ahead and talk about that. So for the uh, 500 series, um, Wednesday morning's practice started off like it was going to look good in the first mm -hmm. round of qualifying, and then everything just went down. Um, and then and ending in uh, practice, uh, the Morelli Impulse um, held on to eight, eighth place, and then the Nitera Motul Z bumped down to 11th place with the Motul Altec Z falling all the way down to 12th and the realized advan z down to 13th place this is in practice of course i'm um, carrying into qualifying for that day um it didn't boast too much better for anybody else but the realized team they moved up uh, positions heavily into uh, fifth position uh, that day um, from there on the uh, nitera motul z kind of stayed where it was <laughs> playing around in took ninth place multi Altec Z uh, sitting in 10th and the Morelli Impulse Z all the way down to 12th position in qualifying. Uh, we're going to skip over to the 300 and talk a little bit about what Wednesday looked like for now different uh, 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 different dominated all 
day long through practice and through qualifying. Um, the realized Nissan Mechanic Challenge GTR held position uh, through practice, held the top slot through practice, and then, of course, through qualifying. I want to talk a little bit about practice before moving on because um, there are some other GTRs on the field that we want to kind of give a shout-out to. Now, the Gainer Tanax GTR, um, uh, card number 11, um, sat at 12th position uh, during practice. And then from there, uh, the Ponos Gainer GTR in 16th position. Um, and really, that is all that is worth mentioning. The run-up Reval um, GTR sat in 21st position. Mm. So um, to give those guys a shout-out for uh, for settling where they get in, I suppose. Again, Realize in qualifying, the Realize GTR sitting in first place. Um, seventh place, Gainer Tenax GTR moved up a little in the field um, for qualifying to take that uh, solid position. Um, and in the eighth position, right next to him is the Ponos Gainer GTR also moved up in position as well. So a shout out to them. Let's talk a little bit about race day. The five series, um, it did the, uh, what day in micro, are you sure in that video? Uh, actually, man, I'm sorry. We're having a little bit of a bandwidth issue. I Mike. had to cut it off. Mm -hmm. Can you hear me? Um, the video? Yeah. Uh, we're having some bandwidth That's issues, okay. man. I'm sorry. We had to cut the video. Got it. All right. No, all right. So let's make it quick then. Uh, Thursday, um, the sitting in fifth position, Nitera Motul Z ended up taking fifth. Seventh place, Motul Tech Z um, is where they sat. And then in ninth place, the Morelli Impulse Z. Um, now in 300 series again, um, Nissan Mechanic G uh, Challenge GTR ended up taking first place. And then Pono's Gainer GTR took fifth place. And that's where we sat for the end of the day. Um, again, uh, a great result for the 300 series. And then a, uh, a, you know, a notable mention out to the guys in the 500 series. I know they're going to come back strong. So uh, next round is going to be at Suzuka. Uh, that will be on uh, next month on the 3rd and the 4th. Uh, we'll keep you updated as things get closer. No, nah, man, man, not bad. Uh, it sounds like uh, you said the uh, um, the um, there was a GTR uh, first position uh there in gt500 class uh gtr in Not the 300 bad. that's yeah, what i meant three. i'm sorry my, my that's mistake. okay i'm sorry all right man uh well let's go ahead and move on uh that is uh super gt we'll move on next to uh formula e uh, that's my my segment here so i'll go ahead and share my screen guys there we go all right now we got to say this, uh, in the last um, race of Formula E, which happened on May 5th and 6th at the historic Monaco circuit off the coast of France, Nissan's Formula E team has had some amazing results. And uh, kind of want to follow up from the last time we talked about this. If you remember in the last episode, there were quotes from the team, which we shared that it said they weren't able to realize a few upgrades that they had planned uh, from the race before. Well, this race, uh, and hopefully going forward, a lot of those upgrades have finally come around and has made huge results for Nissan. 
uh, in this series. Uh, based on the results, which I'll share with you, we've got the upgrades now. So this is looking really, really exciting. Uh, let's see here. I'm going to share, I guess, bandwidth is a little bad here. But uh, let's start off with qualifying. Uh, both of our drivers, uh, Norman Nato and Sasha Finestras, uh, qualified uh, highly in the... Um, in the uh, qualifying uh, segment, making their way into the duels segment of qualifying. Now, what you see here in my picture is that they actually competed against each other in semifinals to have two Nissan drivers go head-to-head, -head, which is pretty exciting as a Nissan fan to see them go head-to-head uh, -head was uh, pretty exciting. Uh, ultimately, it was Finestras who went on to uh, the final round and, and raced uh, against uh, McLaren Carr, uh, who actually won pole. Finestras had gotten pole for the Monaco circuit qualifying. However, it wasn't until after qualifying that he was cited for an overuse of power and it was since uh, demoted to essentially starting the race uh, second position, uh, P2. So uh, from the start of the race, which is really, really cool, you saw... Three Nissan-powered uh, cars, first, second, and third. If you, of course, if you remember, the McLaren car is also powered by Nissan this year. And then right behind them, we had our two drivers uh, in uh, P2, P3 for the start of the race. Uh, so getting into the race, though, um, again, Sasha Finestras qualified second starting the race. And Norman Nato qualified third. Uh, getting near the end, um, it was uh, Sasha Finestras who finished uh, in fourth. He brought home 12 points for the Nissan team. Uh, it was very, very exciting for that one. Uh, Norman Nato finished in 18th place. It was an unfortunate uh, finish for him. He was looking really, really good, but it was near the second half of the race that he had an incident, and because of that incident, he had to... Uh, his performance was limited, so which resulted into that that lower um, uh, position, though. But he had a lot of promise, uh, especially during that first half of the race, uh, because of the results. This extra 12 points uh, at uh, Monaco, Nissan has promoted themselves to seventh place as a constructor in Formula E. So previously they were ninth; they've moved on up to seventh. Uh, honestly. Just based on these results here, uh, it really is a positive outlook, uh, I, I think, for the team and for the racing, uh, the upcoming races. Um, I'm really excited to see Nissan do, uh, uh, honestly, show results. Let's keep up this big momentum. It was a huge boost in morale, a huge boost for the team, and we hope to see this uh, continue, honestly. Uh, the next race uh, for Formula E will be in Jakarta, which is Indonesia, uh, Southeast Asia area. Uh, that race is going to happen June 3rd, which is about two and a half weeks from now. Honestly, Miles, uh, we'll have one more episode to preview this race uh, before it occurs. So guys, for those of you that are with us, we'll go ahead and give you the details, uh, some specifics on that track in the next episode. Um, that's Formula E, Miles. Uh Again, I'm pretty excited, though, honestly. <laughs> well, good. It's finally good to start seeing some positivity come out. In the Absolutely, stuff. yes. So, um, Let's uh, take a look at Nissan Challenge. Um, not much going on with Nissan Challenge. We do not have a race until June 3rd. We'll try to keep you updated as it 
as it comes closer. Um, that race will be held at Willow Springs International Raceway. Um, you can continue to check out uh, Inf Nissan Challenge through their Facebook page or through corner3motorsports.com backslash the hyphen challenge hyphen series. Um, you can check out the details on that if you want to be part of it or if you just want to spectate through some of the great photos that they have, you're more than welcome to. But that is Nissan Challenge for now. So give those guys a shout out. Cool. Cool. All right. Uh, last up for our motorsports update segments, uh, we want to talk about the GT4 America Series, Nissan's uh, entries with the uh, Sport Tech team. Um, honestly, since our last episode, uh, the team and uh, has... Uh, competed at the New Orleans Raceway uh, NOLA rounds three and four. This happened uh, late April, the 28th through the 30th. There were two races that occurred uh, on that weekend. Um, our team uh, wasn't as didn't experience as much success as we did during the first two rounds uh, at Sonoma. So uh, we'll go ahead and get into it here, guys. Uh, on day one, uh, per the uh, GT4 schedule, we had qualifying uh First round of qualifying and a second round of qualifying. Our two drivers, uh, of course, we've got, uh, uh, sorry, our two cars, number 22 and 23, uh, new Z cars. Uh, uh, for qualifying one, uh, we actually finished uh, 34th position uh, and 42nd position. Uh, not looking too good. Uh, we had, uh, of course, you got to understand that this is the raw results, not in the class, though, but there are multiple uh, teams. Uh, a lot, let's just say a lot of traffic in, in qualifying that uh, uh, has kind of been in our way, though. But I think Nissan has experienced a little bit of a uh, mechanical uh, issues, um, uh, maybe some power issues. Uh, 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 since then, uh, we we're still trying to get through those. Uh, later on that day, we did have our second round of qualifying. Our two cars uh, finished uh, the raw results, 30th place and 35th place. So we're definitely on the second half of, uh, of the grid uh, going into the races. Uh, honestly, moving into the races, uh, round three was rained out. We, did not, we were not able to compete in round three at NOLA. Uh, because of that, that specific race will be rescheduled. Uh, it won't happen at Lola, but it will be at another track where those points will count in its place. And uh, that, um, you might say, uh, rain check, uh, if you will, uh, has not been announced just yet. But uh, it should could be happening as early, uh, I think, uh, in a couple of weeks, um, that uh, uh, substitute race uh, to compensate for, for the third round. Uh, the following day was a Sunday. That was the uh, round four. Uh, that race actually did happen. Uh, did take place. Our 22 car finished in 20th position, uh, eighth in its class. Uh, meanwhile, our 23 car had mechanical issues. Uh, uh, crazy enough, it was during a safety car that they had experienced some mechanical issues. Uh, they finished 37th place, uh, 13 in its class, just four laps behind uh four laps before the end, the end of the race. So uh, again, not as we didn't experience as much success as we did during Sonoma, but uh, we do have plenty of races up ahead uh, to, to make up some time and definitely have a lot of uh, uh, hope and faith in our Nissan team uh, going forward. 
that brings up a good thing, Miles. Our next race is happening this weekend. In fact, a lot of the Nissan teams are in Austin, Texas right now. We're talking about the Circuit of the Americas, uh, the next uh, rounds uh, of GT4. Uh, for those who are listening to us here, it is May 19th and 20th, uh, this upcoming weekend. Uh, I don't know about you, Miles. I know you haven't been feeling too well. However, uh, I should be uh, out uh, checking out uh, uh, this series, uh, hopefully find our way into the pits. Uh, who knows what kind of adventures we have, uh, maybe getting to shake a few hands and take a few pictures for the podcast and have some fun, maybe uh, see some people yeah. are, are – yeah, I think it's going to be a pretty, uh, I think it's going to be a pretty substantial um, event coming up here locally for the Texas guys. I mean, we haven't had a Nissan in GT4 ever. So, no, you know, been a long to, time, to go out there and show support, it'd be a, a truly monument, a monumental thing. Um, I did want to give a shout out to some of the folks that are on with us here today. Uh, Dennis Whittakin, um, he's looking forward to the CODA uh, this weekend for GT4. Um, Dennis is actually one of the uh, folks that are headlining the car corral um, that is going to be occurring. Uh, we'll talk about that here a little bit shortly and give you all the details about that. If you're in the Texas area and you're planning to attend that, you might want to uh, get involved with that um, because it's going to be a pretty fun event. Uh, it's a chance to kind of line up with the rest of us when we go to an event. So um, let's see here. Haley Myers, um, who actually is currently at coda right now says <laughs> i touched a new gt4 rz of course she did exciting times but she's man. touching it as she typed that so <laughs> one but, hand uh, on the trunk there one hand on the hatch yeah, other hand harold, on the phone. Uh, harold uh wickman typed in um he was at the last race he said only ran one race fuel pickup problems he is correct yeah That's oh we'll see um, see here, and Haley says again, <laughs> chimed in. So stoked to see the Nissans back in the paddock. So she's pretty excited. I'm assuming it's going to make for some great um, photos um, when you're out there. So, again, a chance for uh, an opportunity to, to grab some photos while you're out there. I would highly recommend that. So, um, Harold yeah. said the uh, the new the drivers are extremely nice folks. Of course, um, Dennis uh, chimed in again. Not sure what you mean by headlining. Um, I'm not much to look at. I think people are there for the racing. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's referring to ca Capital Z, the local ZCCA club, Z Car Club Association, uh, partnership with. Uh, with Nissan to host this corral, though. Of course, a lot of friends, a lot of the Texas local Nissan enthusiasts are going to be out at Coda this Saturday, the 20th. Um, speaking of that, let me share my screen. I did have some information for you guys. For those of you that are in the Texas area, specifically near Austin, or can make your way to Austin relatively easily, this Saturday, uh, May 20th, we do have a car corral hosted for you guys. Um, again, by uh, Nissan and the local Z Car Club Association chapter. Um, I've got a few pictures here for you guys. The Car Corral's location uh, is actually on the inside of the track. There is a specific turn or tunnel that you go underneath, underneath the track to uh, get to this Car Corral. I believe there should be some signage for you to find your way out there. Um, Let's see what else we got here. Uh, again, it says, here are some instructions here for you guys. Uh, you will drive to the wheel call tent located outside of Tunnel 2 to collect your car corral window sticker. Uh, you enter the track to Tunnel 2, designated area. 
If you plan on participating in parade laps, there are parade laps, man. That's going to be pretty damn exciting. Um, show proof of insurance and driver's license. So if you were, if this is as uh, as they are promising, uh, have your insurance and driver's license current ones, by the way, guys, please. <laughs> no Photoshop. No rolling uh, dirty. Yeah, don't can't be riding dirty on the track, man. Uh, says make sure your passenger also has a ticket to the event where you can go to get your ticket for this event it's unfortunately it's not free guys but you can go uh we'll put the link in the show notes you want to go to www.showpass.com forward slash nissan dash corral dash coda dash 2023 again uh, actually what i'll do right now is i'll put it here for those of you that are online i will place it in the uh the comment section, yeah. go to this link and get your um... passes. Well, there's a 50% off uh, for Car Corral participants. Mm. There's a substantial discount. Yeah. So the if you don't get an opportunity, you definitely want to check that out. Again, Saturday, May 20th at 8 a.m. Um, as long as you pre-register, you have to uh, you have to do that. And you get 50% off uh, for car corral participants. Um, so the, the pricing on the tickets is um, a little discounted. So that's pretty awesome. So, Yep. Uh, for those who are needing to know, there is a mandatory driver's meeting uh, at the Nissan car corral uh, regarding parade laps. Parade laps are staging um, beginning at 1135. I would recommend getting there before, way before then. Be prepared. And the parade laps, it is a very strict schedule especially when it comes down to track time, whether it's parade laps or anything. So expect parade laps to happen around 11.55 sharp, uh, honestly. Um, again, for those who see us online, there is a QR code here that you might be able to take advantage of. Uh, maybe take a minute to scan that. Uh, what else we got here? Is that? Oh, that was karaoke. All right. Uh, that is uh, our information on the Nissan Car Corral at Coda happening this weekend. Again, Miles, uh, I'll be out there. Hopefully, I'll see you out there. I understand if uh, you're not, if you're under the weather, you know. Yeah. But uh, um, we'll see if I if I can make it. And I, I have a an out of country trip planned too as well. Um, coming up here real quick too as well. So I'm trying to revive my health as quickly as possible. So we'll uh, uh, for that. So we'll uh, we'll see. We'll figure it out. So I will definitely try to make it. Um, Mike, I know he'll be there. If so, steal some swag for me. <laughs> I can do that. I can do that. Are you a schmedium? What kind of shirt size are you on that one? Uh, I am not a schmedium. Uh, so I am just a standard Texas large. So we'll go from that, which means so a large. 3X? Th oh, okay. Oh, stop. Oh! <laughs> so uh, we haven't done a special segment for a while. So me and Mike were kind of talking uh, roughly last night. It's like, well, let's go ahead and try to do a segment um, of back alley chat. And Mike, you started running with it. Go ahead, and, uh, go ahead and talk about it. All right, let's give this a shot, guys. Uh, let's try this out. So, Miles, you know, I, I was really kind of thinking about what we do on the podcast, what cars we talk about, and what cars we tend to not talk as much about. I mean, I, of course, we're very heavy on Z car. We love the Z car. We're very heavy on Skyline and GTR. Um, uh, amongst many, many others, uh, G cars, Qs, uh, Infinity, older Datsuns. But, you know, I, I was thinking about it. There isn't – we haven't given much love to the Sentra cars or much less front-wheel drive sports cars. And I know to a lot of people it doesn't really seem like um, 
like a fun car. But honestly, I, I, I still think they are. And I know we've got a lot of people that join us online that tend to think the same way. So in an effort to just have some some uh, diversity within the within the show, I figured let's talk about Sentra. Let's just talk about um, numerous things about the Sentra. I, I figure what I would do is we can go kind of uh, generation by generation of the Sentra. I've got a few stats that I can share from each generation. We can kind of see how the Sentra's kind of uh, evolved uh, through the years. And uh, I know there are specifically, at least in my opinion, two or three generations of Sentra that are probably the, the, the most fun. And uh, I think we can probably encourage a lot of guys uh, that are listening to us perhaps to uh, maybe get behind the wheel of one. You know, uh, they're relatively affordable. Uh, they are fun cars if you find the right one. And well, uh, yeah. we're going to talk about all the damn names that the uh, Sentra has had. <laughs> um, I mean, it's it's crazy. It's the Sentra. I'm, I think there's like five, maybe six names. So you've got the Sentra and the Sunny, which are probably the most known. Then the mm-hmm. Sudu. Then I think it's like the Silphus or the Syphilis or something. That's a four. Syphil. Mm-hmm. S- Silph. That's it. Yeah, you, and then you I just want to say Syphilis. I get you. I, do. I get you. And then there's and then the Pulsar. Pulsar. So, yeah, that's right. So I think it's five names, if I remember off the top of my head. Um, and and what I've learned along the way as well is, as I was trying to do some studying for this uh, for this segment uh, on on the Sentra, and I'll share my screen on this oh, uh, for those who can see it. It's rather dense, but you're right. Uh, the Sentra or all the variations, uh, different name changes, no matter what part of the country you're you're in. Um, built through multiple plants. I mean, uh, the most commonly, of course, were in Japan, Mexico, the U.S. Uh, you did see some at Mexico, yes, uh, China, Taiwan, the Philippines. Uh, as, as you go along the line, it was a very, very you did popular a production model. Production plant in the car. Philippines? That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my sources, by the way, for those who are looking or curious, it's primarily through Wikipedia. Uh, let's. Um, just give them a little grace here. I mean, is that through amongst a, a few other ones as well that uh, I was able to try to get some information out of. Hmm. But um, for those who don't know, uh, the Sentra has been around since 1982 and uh, actually um, has had eight generations uh, of Sentra uh, since then. Um, the Sentra, you know, began... In very different variations, you know, believe it or not, there were diesel engine options in the early Sentras. There were wagon options. You had sedan and coupe options and hatchback options. And, and I think what, you, what you'll what you see, and this is why it's kind of surprising to me, is because let's just say within the last 20 years, the uh, Sentra has primarily been a four-door sedan. So those other configurations you don't really see anymore. But I think that was sort of Nissan kind of finding their way with the car and where it was best suited for their market. So it's primarily been a four-door sedan. However, there have been other variations of it. Um, do, you know what a, the, uh, do you know what the direct – it was supposed to replace in the Datsun lineup? Ooh, ooh, ooh. That's right. 1982. It was still, at least in the U.S., it, it was, was still under was Datsun. Close to the transition. Yeah. Am I going to say 510? You're close. That... 210. 210. Yeah. Oh. Okay. That makes yeah, sense. I got you. It, we, I would. I thought originally the 510 myself, but it, but it wasn't. And I was just like, oh, okay. What? 
at the time I'm trying to remember what was around in the 80s, but I was thinking Maxima, but I'm like, oh, I can't do anything. Well, I'm <laughs> sure some 510 will burn me alive. Some 510 nerd out there is going to burn me alive when I see him. By the way, I'm glad you mentioned that. For those of you that are with us online, feel free to chime mm-hmm. in on this. If we ever, if, if we think we got something incorrect, hey man, we, we, we might are be no... throwing out a lot of bad factual information. Uh, I don't know. We might be. I doubt it. I'm doing my best. I, I, I did spend some time on this, but in either way, we like definitely this. Mike will be throwing this. out factual information. I'll be throwing out all the bad factual information. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right, all right. Uh, I do have a picture. What I, like I said, what I wanted to do is kind of go generation by generation. Sure. And I've got a picture of each one, and maybe we can kind of breeze through them, see uh, what we thought about them, what we think about them. Uh, this is the first one here. Uh, 1982. Uh, this was the, uh, you might call it the, the coupe version uh, of the Sentra. This one had various, uh, this one actually had the diesel option. Horsepower is rather low, 67 horses, 85 pound-feet of torque. You had mostly manual transmission options, either a four-speed or five-speed, or if you did go fancy with the automatic, it was a three-speed automatic. Um, for the time, it probably seems just right. As you can see here, you do see the Datsun uh, marketing on this on this magazine, uh, a product of Nissan. It was during that transition. It was beginning right around this time. I remember a couple guys that would talk about this model, and mm-hmm. they said at this time period, just because of what was happening in the world, this is one of the most popular options that you could get for your vehicle was a lockable door lid. <laughs> because at the time it was there was all these issues with gas getting the availability of gas you know we were during this big uh, fuel crisis at the time so siphoning gas siphoning sad to yeah. say was was a, a concern in the united states at that time so, well if you look at this article you, you see this magazine you're right there is a key on that door on that gas door oh, yeah. for security and then in the upper right-hand corner, you do see the miles per gallon. You're looking at here, 58 miles per miles gallon. gallon, Highway 43 uh, City. That's what they were uh, pushing back in the day. And this was, you know, that was the big thing with Datsun is Datsun saves. They had just finished that campaign for for saving gas uh, or, or for gas economy. And so they pushed the Central, which was to fill that same ticket, which makes sense. So. Yeah. Well, so this is our benchmark, Miles. This is kind of where Sentra began, obviously. I think you could say that most uh, Sentra, by and large, has been sort of that entry-level car, uh, fuel sipper in many ways. Uh, there have been multiple models uh, or variations of Sentra, and we'll get into that. Uh, I'll move on to the second generation here. Uh, this was from uh, 1986 to 1989. Kind of a blurry photo. Uh, this was the best one I could find through Motor Week's v- VHS series, I, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, same engine options. Uh, you did have a little bit more horsepower. Uh, the, the highest, you know, it went up from 67 to 90 horses. Uh, same transmission options. Uh, it's gotten a little bit bigger. Uh, I'm looking at the dimensions of the vehicle, the uh, the wheelbase, uh, not too much. Honestly, from the notes I saw uh, on this, sales for this model was rather low. Um, no. Uh, no, get out of here, right? Um, I feel like it, the sales were so bad that they decided to make a wagon version of this. Mm, uh, wagon, wagon, wagon. Or some kind of a hatchback. I mean, I know it, did, it came later, but I wonder if that ever happened. Well... 
based on the notes I have here, obviously what you see here is the hatch version, but there was a wagon version of this there as well. There was a wagon? There I was. I just there was. I remember seeing this front and the side, and I'm not saying that I ever saw them at car shows. I saw them a lot at Pick'em Pool. <laughs> the salvage yards, yeah? Yeah, because back in the day, I was just, you know, I was a younger Nissan fan. And I would always be interested in taking like the millions of Nissan badges and plates and oh. dealer plates. So I would always take those and, buy and, and gather them up from any Nissan that was out there. And I just remember seeing this model and I was like, I could have sworn that I saw the wagon versions yeah. of this thing. So This model, by the way, reminds me of what you might remember, the, the, two, the 200SX uh, hatch, the S12. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but front wheel drive. This this one was front wheel drive. So it it kind of later, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it's identical, but uh, it, I, it the '80s was very very much body style was very sharp, very angular. It was, it was all general. sharp edges back in those days. Yeah, is what mm-hmm. it is. Anyway, yep. cool. Well, uh, moving into the third generation of Sentra, this is probably a generation miles that you and I probably remember the most. I know I do. Uh, from 1990 through 94, the B13 Sentra. Uh, this is kind of where you get, you start to see more of a sporty side out of Sentra. Uh, primarily, you had two-door sedans and four-door sedans. Uh, the picture we have right now, this is the uh, SER version, which was the first time that SER uh, trim line was used with Sentra. Uh, the uh, engine options uh, range from a 1.3 liter, 1.6 liter, or the one you really wanted for the SER is your 2 liter SR20 uh, non-turbo, but it was SR20 nonetheless. Uh, you saw power increase up to 126 horses, uh, pound-feet of torque 108, and of course you can get that with a five-speed transmission. Uh, looking into the dimensions of this uh, this SCR model, you might say, um, relatively slim, slim still. I mean, you can look at this car and you can tell it's it's not as wide as you might see the Sentras of today. Um, it was uh, 95, 96. This is called it 96 inches off. Uh, the wheelbase was 96 inches, and still a rather light car. This one was, uh, by the way, these of course, just to say, it, these early generations of Sentra were uh, rather light cars. Uh, this one, and specifically this generation, was about 2266 mm-hmm. in terms of pounds. It was fuel injected, and uh, the SCR models had a limited slip differential. Which, you know, when you think of front-wheel drive in the early 90s, you don't really see. At least I don't recall many manufacturers trying to hot rod their front-wheel drive cars, but Nissan was. You can get a neat uh, analysis. But you know, the, uh, the great thing about this car is the production line on this vehicle lasted a really long time out of states. Um, yes. In Mexico, they kept production on this thing, I want to say, until like 2017. Yep. And there's so many of these vehicles in Mexico that that it, it beca- it's a staple of like – import racing life in mexico um you know i've I, I i went to cancun a few years ago and i swear to god everywhere i look you could still see them i'm like how is that car still on the road and then the driver at the time who just happened to be a sudo fan i don't know if he was much of a nissan guy but we were just kind of talking about that and he's like yeah he goes you can still find parts out here for cheap all day long and he goes doors and lids and hoods and everything because because they were at the time they were still doing production to that day and a lot of the cabbies use them um so that was the saving grace so yeah uh, so if you are a nissan fan ever want to center you may want to get into the b13 
The uh, you're right. Uh, May May of 2017 was last year that they that production in Mexico ceased of this car, um, and um, I heard a lot of taxis. Yeah, it was a lot of the fleet vehicles. And Ion uh, just chimes in and goes, uh, "That Sudo was very common down there. Uh, It's a bizarre taxis." It was like, yeah, in Mexico we saw a lot of them. So, but uh, yeah, they're it was still cool. Like, um, you know, I would definitely. uh, Definitely, I, I highly recommend going to Mexico if you're a, if you're a Central fan. And, uh, maybe just uh, taking a big backpack with you. I don't know. We'll big out. bag, yeah. Big bag, big bag. <laughs> but yeah, the Central, what you saw with this generation, though, was the uh, first time we saw the SER trim line. I think that was a very notable moment. I know you're... You might call him, uh, first of all, your hero, but you might call him the original Nissan nerd, Mike Kojima. He was very much a, was this the generation of uh, suspension on SCR he was modifying or tuning? Maybe. Was it this one? This... Uh-oh. Yeah, this one. Oh, oh wait. You've got the magazine. Dang. I've got a few. Ooh. Yeah, because i got all of them right here next to me. I was actually just reading up. I knew you were going to talk about this. So I was like, Oh crap. So Dave Coleman and uh, Mike Kojima at the time, um, they did a project car, actually two different project cars for a sport compact car. So if you get a chance and if you're a Nissan Sentra uh, guy, um, you need to go back and look at those. Cause those are probably like the Bible. And by the way, yeah, I, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but uh, I was kind of thinking about it too. You know, it's this generation of Sentra you don't really see as a um, uh, like like up there in price. This is still a relative. I mean, I, I imagine if you find one in good shape, this these cars I would imagine are still relatively affordable. Would you say? Yeah, they definitely are. You can still pick them up, and believe it or not, there's a huge following of them. Um, definitely, because um, I've stumbled into their forums back in the day and and their their Facebook groups. Mm-hmm. just like Z guys, there is a huge fan base for that car. And you would think that we have a strong fan base here in the States, but it is really strong in other markets. Um, like, uh, like, uh, again, like Mexico and uh, Australia, if I remember correctly. Ooh. And, uh, I couldn't remember where it was, but they were just, I mean, it was nuts. Um, but just, yeah, I mean, t- tons of aftermarket modifications, tons of custom, this and that got inner, uh, inner group development. So yeah, I would highly recommend um, um, checking those out if you're looking for a good place to start your uh, your, your initial dive in for that. Gotcha, gotcha. Let's move on to the next generation though, Miles. Uh, this was the fourth generation car, which happened between 1995 through 98. So this is kind of when you started to see uh, Sentra get a little lame. I, I won't I won't lie to you. Uh, now. The power output was was not too bad. Uh, you had 140 horses and 130 pound-feet of torque with its strongest model. It was still the 2-liter SR20. Uh, you can get a 4-speed automatic or 5-speed manual. Uh, it did get heavier at this point, um, going from the 2,200-pound range to clo- essentially kissing 2,400 pounds. Um, I really don't recall there being very many sporty options of this generation of uh, Nissan. You know, I'm trying to think about the era that it was. This is late 90s. I imagine this is part of the time when Nissan was starting to struggle with its finances. So really, they were probably trying to just figure out any type of uh, efficiency to, to still have a good car that make, kept the lights on. Uh, that's just my my personal thought anyway. 
Um, uh, not too much going on with, with yeah, that. Yeah, you know one. what? I, I retract my previous statement. I think this is actually the uh, in one of these. I, I think it was the B fourteen that was in uh, that was in most of the sport compacts. Oh, so really? Versus the 13. oh, this, yeah. I think there was one. This 13, is the fourteen. I'm sorry. And then okay. that's the fourteen. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I do recall in, in some of the notes that I was reading, though, that, you know, the type of suspension uh, on these cars, I believe it was the McPherson strut style suspension, which, I mean, um, maybe by today's standards might be a, a little uh, less performing, but at the time, it was very much a, a sought after. It was the standard back then. Yeah, for sure. Um, I didn't have too much past that, I'll be honest with you, uh, but we can keep on going if you like. Well, I mean, you get into the the 15, and I don't know, the B15 was great. I mean, Nismo, they did the Nismo model, um, which we all remember, um, the yellow one with the, uh, the three-colored stripes that came along. SER. I don't think it was Nismo, but it was definitely the SER. Well, they made a Nismo back. version. Yeah, or Spec uh, V. They, yeah. yeah, well, they made a Spec V, and then they, they did a Nismo version. I only know because... I wrote, I wrote one of the early articles on that car and I had that car for a three day time period. Um, mm. and yeah, and I shared it with the photographer and art singer of all things. I'm wearing his hat, but, um, and I wrote that for the Nissan sport magazine. Um, so we, um, yeah, we covered it ironically, but, um, yeah. <laughs> and we got to drive that for a few days. We took it up to, um, uh, Willow Springs, and um, I I enjoyed the car. I, I thought it was, um, at the time I thought it was pretty luxury it, when it came to Nice Centra, and it moved up to me. It felt more like a Maxima at the time. Um, yeah. It was definitely moving up the scale, um, and it's weird because I was I was thinking, okay, this is going to be a Nismo model, and it's going to have all the fancy, you know, performance parts, and it. It really, it had the name. It just didn't have the performance that I was looking for, but it upscaled everything. But at the time, it was hard to kind of figure out if Nissan was going for a luxury, like they were trying to upscale the name of the Sentra, or they mm-hmm. were trying to bring up the performance aspect of the Nismo. And it, I don't know, it, it was a weird balancing act that that yeah. didn't necessarily perform to where it was expected, but it was still a pretty good attempt like to me, I always thought the car. I always saw, thought of this car as a solid B, B car. It, it came with yes. a standard, you know. Um, yes. It was fairly comfortable. If it, it had really good room, the trunk space wasn't bad, but it still felt like, you know, stuff would kind of come down like the carpet in the trunk. And I, all that. But I enjoyed it. I mean, you got alloy wheels. Um, the brakes were decent. I think, if I remember, it was like a. Had Brembos. If you got the Spec the V Brembo, model, you got the Spec yeah. V. You got Brembos, but. Yeah. It wasn't I, a bad ride. I, I I'll be honest, man. I was oh, I was very close to getting one of these cars uh, not too long ago. I was looking for just a very affordable kind of um, used car, four cylinder, but something that was fun. And this was very much on my short list of cars to grab. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, didn't find any good examples within the period of time that it was, but uh, it's, it's everybody kept them and drove them, and they put they a bunch of the, miles. And that they was drove the, the thing. Hell out like of if you're looking for a good car that was bulletproof that you could potentially, at some point, turn into like a weekend racer. Yep, that's it. I mean, it, it you know at the time when it was brand new, it was it was like eh, there was other better options out there, but as this car grew older, you just appreciated the benefit of it. 
well, uh, you appreciated everything that was that, about it that we needed for our purposes. It was the, it was a really good car. So. It's funny you mentioned that as well because this this generation of Sentra was the first time that we saw the QR25 engine. Mm-hmm. So you're right. It was a you might say a new model, a new series of engine that was being used in the Sentra. And yes, very much in the beginning, you know, who's to say, you know, it isn't until having this car over a period of time that people began to um, have confidence in the engine. You know, you, you never know what engines are going to be like uh, yeah. the first couple of years. I mean, CVD uh, transmissions, if we would have oh, known, you know what I mean? Like, see, it is what it is. But, yep. you know, at the time it was it was a bang hard transmission. You know, the engine could take a punch, you know. Uh, yep, timing chain. And it, you know, this car had a pretty good stance. It it, it went around corners pretty well because, I yeah. mean, I, I dogged it out when I when I had it. Sat, sorry, Nissan. Yeah. I had it for, um, you know, the, the 36 hours that we had, but they told us, them, like, hey, <laughs> hey, go have fun with it. And we really yeah. enjoyed it. And, you know, I gave my praises in the article when I wrote it. Yeah. And, uh, and I was the- happy. So. You, you, you did mention transmissions, though. This one did have the six-speed transmission option, which was an, an, an also a, a first for the Sentra, uh, specifically with the Spec V uh, uh, model. Um, you, you saw here um, weight was increased to about 2,500 pounds. Uh, its height came up. Uh, uh, let's see the, the height here. Um, it definitely changed yeah. from being... Uh... Um, a smaller economy car to, to what it is, but you know, it, it, it didn't change the name of Sentra in my opinion. I mean, you, I mean, when you go back from the Sentra and everybody knows it as a 200 SX and all that, and then it transitions into this, I mean, it, there's definitely a difference, but it, it was also, there was a company change that was going on too as well. I mean, all the Altimas started to change. They all started to kind of look like this at the time. And, um, but it was, a uh, yeah, I mean, it felt, it definitely felt heavier but, uh, <laughs> when I, when I drove it, but you know, it was still torquey. It was still fun. Um, I enjoyed it. Uh, but it, this came along the lines with like the 350Z. When we got this, we got the, the Nismo 350Z when it came out or the uh, track version. Track so we version. Got this, we got uh, this three and we got this in the track 350Z on the same day. They gave us both these cars. Um, I will say. For me personally, uh, this generation of Sentra is probably my top two for sure. If it isn't the the B13, which we've already covered, this would also be another one. For, and the same thing when it comes to price. Again, car. you're gonna see them ragged out, perhaps, but or high mileage. Maybe not ragged out, is the best word, but high mileage nonetheless. Uh, reliable engines, fun to drive, and affordable. Uh, it's just a matter of finding maybe one that's not as beat up. Awesome um, track option, though. I imagine. Ion jumped in here. He said, "Powered by a, a JWT prototype GT30 kit, um, the QR25 is said to be able to make 500 horses." I'll believe it. Uh, I've had some friends that have had this specific car, and they they absolutely loved it. They I don't recall them making huge power or trying to, but I knew that that engine was. Uh, uh, well, definitely I mean, robust. It's, it's strong enough to keep the head <laughs> tied to the block under that much power. I mean, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Worth mentioning. Uh, so, yeah. Maybe that's it. You Maybe that's the uh, the evolution. Maybe what uh, what we thought was a solid B car just grew to be a stronger and stronger A plus. So yeah, mm-hmm. I just never stuck with it to to know the benefits of it all. But you know, uh, Nissan at the time was putting out some pretty impressive vehicles. I mean. 
looking at the time, you know, the Xterras and everything else, I mean, those cars have held on forever, you know, they're, they're mm. damn near bulletproof. So. Yeah. I did want to take a minute before we continue on, Miles, uh, to take a few moments and uh, share some comments along the way. Sure. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go back to, uh, let's see here, uh, Edgar Furman. We were talking about SR20 convention. Uh, mm-hmm. Still goes on to this day. Uh, I think we're talking about the B13 or third generation Sentra. Uh, even the it's newer a damn models. good series if you get an opportunity to check out um, Fun one of convention. their shows that do. They're a, a good group of guys, super mm-hmm. knowledgeable, and uh, and we've we've had an opportunity to attend one or two of those in the past. But I highly recommend that if you get a chance to look them up, the SR20 convention is super fun. So you may want to check into that. So if you're really into that world, another comment from Edgar. Uh, of course, he's saying that the B14, uh, the fourth generation Sentra, also went to a beam rear end after being independent we're in on the generation before it which seems to be a step backwards i think that's why that third generation the the ser was so popular because it did have four wheel independent suspension um you kind of went backwards with the b14 um i think i I think it's pretty much a fair statement i think um i know uh, edgar's been on the show as well very much part of the nissan challenge series which we cover and i think this season uh, they do have or, or we're planning to have some uh, front-wheel drive Sentras as part of the series. Uh, I imagine this series, uh, this year, being very much a development season for the front-wheel drive guys. So, yeah, I honestly, talking with Edgar about it, I, I believe everything he says, honestly. Um, Ion went on to say that the Spec V was a lot of fun to drive. Uh, I imagine it's so as well. And also, yes, everyone's dog the hell out of them. <laughs> <laughs> sorry yeah i didn't mean to talk about that but yeah i mean you can't really help it after a while i mean you get into a, a sporty car and you got enough gears to to bang around in it's like all right let's go have some fun so yeah yeah, yeah. well let's go ahead and move on to the next generation of Sentra. uh this next generation honestly from what the best i remember was sort of a um polarizing model uh generation of Sentra. this was the b uh what is this the b16 sixth generation Sentra four-door sedan uh you had the qr25 still which was that reliable engine we we were talking about just earlier power power was at the most 200 horses and 180 pound feet of torque this is pretty much where you saw in terms of power about the most out of the Sentra. um however when it comes to body style and the weight and the transmission options, uh, as you get into this model, you started to see some drawbacks. This was the first time that we saw the, the CVT transmission, which uh, a lot of enthusiasts just kind of come to hate when it comes to Nissans uh, for the automatic transmission option. However, you did have the six-speed manual transmission on this one uh, as well. Um Weight-wise, you know, this one was topping out. Ooh, you saw a big jump. This generation got much, much heavier. The generation before was about 2,500 pounds. This one uh, just barely passed 3,100 pounds, according to the notes that I've seen. A 600-pound jump from one generation to the next, that is a huge jump uh, in weight. So it's very much a heavier car. Um Honestly, based on the, the notes that I have, this is the heaviest generation of Sentra. 
uh, to this day, uh, from from what I've uh, from what I've read here, from what I've gathered. Uh, did you have any experience with this car, Miles? You know, um, the only thing that I had an opportunity was with is the SCR spec. Yes, um, I had an opportunity to drive that um, a few times, and it was sporty and quick, but it just felt like, you know, and I, I'm doing my best not to. to down dog anybody's particular model because they may be at home and they're like oh man he well, yeah, but i will yeah. say this like i really enjoyed the pep in the ser model when yes. i had an opportunity to drive it um the particular version that i drove was was dropped by an inch and it was just upgraded brakes in the front and back and it was just balanced like so the example that i had was extremely well done and and it was fun uh, we had a good time uh, cruising it for the the day and a half that we were in it, um, it, it did feel a little on the heavy side um, okay. for what it was to be an economy box. So it kind of steps out of economy box and it, it, it's, it's become something else at that point. But as far as the power in, in that particular platform um, with that trim package, I enjoyed yeah. it. Um, I, you know, I, I really like the car as far as the styling, you know, for me, it was it was hit and miss. I uh, I don't know. I, you know that whole stretched headlamp worked on some models during that time campaign. Mm-hmm. It didn't work on other models. Me personally, I I don't like the stock configuration of the headlamp. I've seen aftermarket versions of it where it changes it to a little more to my preference. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, um, yeah, I mean it it, it start. It, it started to look a little like a, I don't know, I hate to say it, like a Cadillac, like in the front. You know you know what I mean? That yeah. particular Cadillac where it kind of stretches over. It, it became that. And it started to take on kind of like how the 350Z, it pulls the headlight back. And then the, the Ultima at the time, they kind of pulled back the, the lamps and the G35s. And it was like it was like the design of most of the headlights at that point. But I- – um, other than yeah. that, you know, that like the cut in the hoods, they did that for the 350s and a lot of the other You see a lot of that body language that transfers amongst yeah. multiple car models, right? The headlights that stretch, like you mentioned, the body lines in the hood. The honeycomb, um, the particular version of the honeycomb that they do, all that, yeah. So, yep. But I will say, I mean, like the wheels that they were getting at that time were pretty baller. You were getting yeah. alloys, you know. You the interior wasn't bad. It was a little plasticky, but everything's every car manufacturer is doing the exact same thing. So for the for the cost that you were getting it at the time, it wasn't bad. The price I, I want to say this was, and I could be wrong. Somebody can quote me or catch me on it, but I want to say this was the era where it was the most expensive Sentra at the time. Mm. Um, I remember okay. these being like the highest. They had the, the highest price tag on them at the time. Oh. Could be wrong. That's a good but, point. Um, that's one metric. That's one piece of data I didn't think to uh, research. I'll have to look into that one. Yeah, it's just um, like having a pretty like high or close price tag to a lot of their their counterparts within the Nissan line. But if somebody wants to catch me on that, I'm, I could be wrong. But I just remember at the time when I was talking with people about the car, they were just like, that's why... That's that's what I heard in the rumblings, um, but I could be wrong. I, 
I had a few things I wanted to say about this one as well. Uh, first of all, this picture may not be the SER version when it comes no. to body styling. There's probably a more aggressive version or slightly more aggressive version of body kit that may have been uh, doing it justice. But I do remember the first time I saw one, and most notably, and you mentioned it, Miles, were the wheels. This, If you saw the SER version and the wheels that came from the factory... They were, cool. they were they were good and i've seen a lot of guys take those wheels and put them on the older centuries <laughs> yeah 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 i do remember seeing that um I, I same thing when it came to body style i was a little curious about it in the beginning and then that's kind of where i was talking about earlier that whole controversial thing because i remember talking to some friends about it and that was where i kind of heard a little bit of complaining and all but personally i i like the body styling I, i'm you know the economy still, version Came with no. steelies, and I remember the hubcaps were, and I'll just be nice, the hubcaps were horrendous. I remember looking at them uh, like, good God. And, you know, they're, they're wheel, wheel covers, hubcaps, whatever you want to call them. But I was just like, come on. Like, I don't know. We could have done something better. It could have gone hours <laughs> all the way through the line. But anyway, this, just my beef with it. Um, I remember liking the seats. I, I know they were just kind of mundane, and they were a little basic but i remember for for an economy seat they weren't too bad so but the centra like i said the ser at that time was was pretty nice like it was nicer so yeah last thing i had here is that this was the generation of centra that we first saw the mr series of engine is a two liter engine um from here on out you see you had two engine options or series you had the mr engine and the hr engine uh, I, I won't lie, uh, I've got to do some more research on those. For anybody who's listening to us online, definitely give us some information on in terms of popularity of these series engines, if you are aware of them. Are they both but, 2.5s? What's that? They're both 2.5s? I don't know. Also 2.5s were the, were the QR. So the last this, this generation was the last year of QR, based on the information right. I have. Okay. Uh, at least in the U.S., you might say. But uh, we've got two generations of Sentra left. Let's go ahead and start off with uh, the next one, seventh generation Sentra. <laughs> we're going to stumble through all these? All right, go for we're, it. We're almost done. And obviously what you can tell here, Miles, I mean, it kind of, in my opinion, anything that was sporty about it kind of left. Uh, if, I don't know. When I see this, I just kind of think of a gross, more of a kind of accepting its ways. I don't know. It might be too, too mean. I'm going to say streamlined. Streamline, okay. You got the little, obviously that little, uh, you might call it a bullet side on the, you know, that little flaring on the side there. Um, yeah. Uh, this one, uh, you had three engine options, uh, 1.6 liter, 1.8 liter, 2 liter was the biggest engine you can get. Uh, by the way, every Sentra uh, was a four-cylinder. Uh, highest horsepower at this point um, has been reduced. The generation before... Uh, reportedly had you know 200 horses 180 pound feet of torque this generation from what i've was able to gather only 130 horses and 128 pound feet of torque so i at least from what i've gathered here i didn't see much of an ser version or sport version per se um it i should say though that in 2013 uh what you see here, this generation began in 2012. However, in 2013, there was a Nismo concept that came out to the car shows. Um, I don't. I think it took a few years after the fact to really see those uh, happen. But in terms of performance uh, and other um, 
visual cues about the Nismo concept. It, it, they didn't make it to production. Uh, you know, a lot of concept cars tend to do to do that. Uh, but this one did have the CVT transmission. Uh, it did get a little bit heavier. This one weighed, oh, 28, 22 uh, pounds. Um, so it, it was getting heavier, actually lighter than the, the previous version, but still heavy nonetheless. Um, I don't really have much experience with this car, though, Miles. I mean, unless you do. Uh, no, nah, nah, not really. Nah. I mean, maybe I drove it as a rental a couple times, but... Yeah. I know. I mean, I, I'll put it this way. It's not sticking out of my mind as memorable. So definitely not the driver feel that I remember from the prior generations. So. Same here. And I, I kind of feel like this was, when you compare it with the generation before, you kind of saw it become a little bit more, uh, less sharp uh less exciting um however uh, i'll move on to the next uh generation the last generation you might call it the current generation the b18 uh this this generation of car has been around since 2019 uh this uh is that a Sentra? it almost looks like a maxima to me why does that did i pick the wrong picture i hope that's not the right picture according to the picture it was a Sentra though but you can see how it's definitely gotten bigger uh Honestly, from what I have here in terms of weight, this is the second heaviest model uh, of, of Sentra. Uh, you had the six-speed CVT transmission uh, in this car. Uh, this generation of car, um, not made in the U.S. Uh, the last Sentra to be produced in the U.S. was the generation before it. Uh, the, this model of Sentra is you're, typically made in Mexico. You're right. Or, it's, it's a Sentra, but I, I don't want to wait too long for that but it is a center but i agree with you i've seen these jump up on me like yeah. um like on the highway and yeah. i'm just like is that all you know i always think it's like an ultima or the the, the maxima at the time they're just like because if you look at it if you're looking at it straight on i mean it's pretty it's damn near hard to distinguish mm -hmm. between what's coming up on you but uh yeah it is definitely the center okay. and how i usually do it is just if you can get a side of it and then of course the tails they look a little bit different but the front of it is yeah. very much it kind of all it, it, they look very similar all over yeah a few notes about this generation of Sentra, though you did see you begin to see the nismo models of Sentra again with this generation um performance you had performance yes uh power wise uh, this engine uh made uh, between uh, i think at the most 188 uh horsepower 146 pound feet of torque so it's definitely a boost from the generation before and you know miles kind of tying it into our motorsports segment let's not forget about the center cup the series that happens in uh canada uh center cup this is i believe the model or generation of centra obviously a stripped down version race version of this car but uh this is i believe the model that they're that they're basing that series off of I, I think that's sort of Nissan Canada's attempt to, to, to really show that the car is sporty, it's fun, it's affordable. Um, uh, you know, we've seen a lot of really good videos, a lot of good content, and a lot of people just having fun with these cars uh, at the racetrack, which I think is really, really fun to see, it's, honestly. And it's a very popular vehicle as of late for uh, for the Nismo line. Uh, they've been doing a lot of aftermarket support for it. Yes. You have other manufacturers, uh, bigger manufacturers that previously were not really there for a lot of the Sentra guys like the like the Z1 is starting to adapt it now and starting mm. to do some stuff on their own too as well. And then 
you know, everybody else that's out there waiting to get their uh, hands or have already started all the uh, all the fun with this over the last few years. So, um, so yeah, uh, we'll yeah. Uh, continue. I, I I feel like this is good. This is one of those cars that people are going to start to bite on in the next year or two. And yeah. They're going to start to really have some fun. With it. We'll probably see this car maybe have a, kind of like not. You know, it already has a series, of course, in Canada, but we might see a little bit more popularity with this vehicle as it, uh, in racing yeah. uh, pedigree um, yep. here stateside, hopefully, for the more cost-effective racing. So, I agree. Uh, you know, of all the models, I'm just trying to kind of find a way to recap all of this. I think for me personally, <laughs> the, the you know, the eight generations of Sentra. So, you know, if, if you had to ask me what generation I would go with, uh, I think the, the it's a it's a hard one for me between the, the B13, the early 90s one, the S, the first generation of SER, and then also like the yellow one we saw here, the uh, what, 1999 to 2005 um, uh, SER, Spec V, Sentra. Those two, I think, are really, really good high contenders for me. Uh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm frugal, man. If I can get one on a, on a deal and have some fun with it, I would well, definitely let's... do it. I hate to say this because we're talking about a vehicle that's already frugal. Yeah, like I shouldn't true. say price is no object because I'm like Jesus Christ. Why? <laughs> like, like, how cheap can cheap become? Like let's talk about this. Like we're talking about a five thousand dollar car. There's no limit to how cheap I am, sir. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, let's talk about like you know if price is no object, and I mean that as you have ten thousand dollars in your hand, right? Okay. <laughs> Price is not, and that's a pretty chunk of change yeah. for a Nissan Sentra. Like to buy a low mileage, yes. or to buy one that's already tricked out. You know what? I'm taking ten grand off the table, and I'm leaving you with seven. Now you have seven thousand dollars to shop around for a vehicle that you're buying. Um, it's doable. No limit anywhere in the states. So, what would you get? For that price, I would definitely probably get the the ninety nine, the Spec V. Uh, you know, I remember back in the day, this is way before the whole COVID area when used cars started to go up, but I remember seeing those even at the time between 35 and 6. I imagine, uh, who knows, maybe they're probably around the 5 or 6 uh, for a mediocre one. Okay. And honestly, I'll be honest, and the reason why I say cheap too is because I think if I'm going to essentially, my intent behind it is to have fun with it, uh, hoon it out, you know, just... That's what makes cheap cars so fun because if it's such a low investment that if it goes bad, who cares? Like it's still going to take a hit. I mean, depending on how how you are financially, but I mean, when you buy something with the intent just to have fun with it, I mean, that's kind of what makes Miatas fun too. You know, similar situations because they used to be affordable, but um, I've always said, or I, I was told once, and it stuck with me, is that you know when you go into a, the world of track. You need to buy a car that's disposable, that you consider disposable, because before you even put that car on the track, you have to mentally put yourself in a situation where if you saw that car smashed up against the wall, that you're not going to cry about it, because that's what you're doing with it. You're you're just you're just wringing it out for everything it's got. Uh, don't get don't get tied to it. Have fun with it, enjoy it, but don't get sentimental with it. You know, and I think that. The Sentra checks those boxes, especially the Spec V, when it comes to performance and performance potential. We, you know, we've yet to touch on aftermarkets, especially with the QR25 engine. I've seen turbo kits for those cars. You can get even more performance out of it, but maybe that's a different episode, man. <laughs> <laughs> how about you, though? Do you have a number one, number two? How would you rank your top two? 
at the time when I was kind of really into my Hoonigan lifestyle, um, and sad to say I was getting into trouble and like street racing and stuff like that, mm. you know, but the B13, believe it or not, was kind of like one of those cars that was out there that you kind of watched when you were a Honda kid. You were just like, okay. yeah, like, cause it could still eat your lunch, especially back wow. in those days. Anybody that knew what was up and they were grabbing the SR20s, the turbocharger, you know, and, or, you know, they yes. were doing that or they were stealing the, um, um, you know, there were, you know, the G20s, you know, a lot of people didn't give that car respect, but it was basically the same I love the G20. damn thing. And it was yes. just a little smoother, a little more luxurious, had like the leather and all the good stuff. But yep. the G20 was also, and I know we're kind of sidestepping, I'm not trying to go into the Infinity stuff, but yeah, you, yeah. Know, you give me either one of those, an SR20 in it, just some yeah. nice, um, you know, at the time, a nice set of like Recaros or fullback Sparkos. Mm. You know, that's it, man. A nice yeah. lockable, a little lockable in there. And, uh, I, you know, a really small snail. I'd be fine with yeah. that. You know, that car just took off a, a clutch that could grab it all and go. You're fine. Yeah. And that car was fine. Uh, and, and it just, it had a timeless look. And I, it I does. It, it, I mean, you go from like, when I talked about that, that Nismo version, the, the, the 15. I drove the car and, you know, you got in it and it was like, oh, it's quiet. And you get the, I remember that was one of the cars and I can't remember that they would take the engine noise and kind of route it because it was so quiet. But the 13 just screamed at you because it had like minimal sound deadening. You know, <laughs> like the panels were, some of it were still like kind of particle board with carpet over them, you mm -hmm. know, or the firewall, like back in those days. It was just, the, you still felt that, that, that that response you still had that relationship with the car like you felt in the shifter you felt it all yes. shaking your hands you felt the steering wheel all the inputs were were right at your fingertips it was just kind of right there and and that's the romantic yeah. thing that i think like a lot of people shared a lot of similarities between older cars i mean if you talk mm -hmm. to a, like a true Datsun fanatic guy it doesn't matter which one the z the 210 guys or the 510s it's that connection that yes. like that you, you feel like you're in you're you're in tune with the car. I think and and I think that's what's the biggest situation for a lot of us older guys is that we, we get into these newer cars and you press a button. Oh, I want to go and drive now. I'm gonna press a button. Push another button, a little trigger now. I'm gonna put a yeah. trigger to go into drive and then it's like is it is it on? Because maybe it's E. I can't hear it. Is it well, on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's yeah. torquing, and it's like, okay, ah. now it feels like there's a detachment there. But then, you know, you get the hugging aspect in some respects, but it just, you know, you can hear that response because I'm trying to match revs in my head, you know, or I'm trying to listen mm -hmm. what 3,000 RPM feels like or sounds like. And then yep. when you go to bed, you're like, mm, you know, <laughs> an, RPM, an RPM tune that's been ringing in your head all day. Yeah, on road trips and stuff, you know, you know, put a thousand miles on a car in a, t a certain time period, and you feel like yeah. that's in your brain for the rest of your days. And a newer car yeah. feels a little more comfortable, but 
there's something magical. It's the connection. There's, there's a connection. The, you know? the rawness of it, man. That, yes, it, the connection with the road. Maybe I romanticize too much about the old stuff. No, you, you, you. To me, you've nailed it on the head, and and that's what I think of with older cars in general. And you know, the, as we start, obviously, as cars get more and more refined, um, even as cars as back as you know, thirty years old, even you become you, you come to appreciate exactly what that car was you know instead of complaining about it you go no this is pure, this is what it was like man yeah. and then uh you know if you're picking that generation to be 13th century by the way i remember we had a really good friend of ours through the uh, nismo fiesta uh uh show who had that generation of of ser centra with the turbocharger with the suspension kit and you know when you forget we didn't talk about it yet, but the weight of it, yeah, less than 2,300 pounds. If you get that car, it's a screamer. It's under 2,300 pounds. Within its range, it dominated. Yes. You know, for what it was. You can't be like, oh, it doesn't keep up with a V6 or V. Yeah, of course it doesn't. It's not meant to do that. But you mm-hmm. catch that vehicle on an autocross or, or to me, out in the twisties yep. where I, where I, Want to be you live, yeah, yeah, where I want to live. You know, I don't give a damn about all that stuff. But when I'm out there and I get out of that car, yep. Oh yeah, you know, smiles from like, ear to ear, smiles man. Smiles for miles. That's it. Got it done. So. Um, well, that too, and then how you said it was an SR20. It was an awesome platform. There are probably factory parts that you can use on that model. I remember, it was a screamer. You know, yeah, so. you can get 300 horses probably with relatively easily. On a on a chassis that weighs less than twenty three hundred pounds, that's an awesome power to weight ratio. You're having some fun with that car. But the balance of the cars at the time also was pretty damn perfect. I mean, if you look at yeah. all what all the and I'll go back into like the Nissan Challenge guys. When you look through some of those cars that are competitive, I mean, those guys are competitive at that level with some of those central platforms. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, yeah, you could go to another car that may have beat them with little to no effort. But I guarantee you, I would like to sit in that Sentra more than any other car that's out there <laughs> because I know that guy was giving it everything and he was dialed in and uh, and it was just, it was screaming and humming the whole time. And I that's where I'd rather be, you know? So I don't know, just my two cents. But I agree, man. I agree. Maybe it's the, uh, maybe it's the flu half kicking in and the dehydration. Is <laughs> this uh, the dehydration kicking in? But, yeah. <laughs> but needless to say um so yeah that's going to conclude our back alley chat i think um thanks again for everybody for, for i think we ringed it out pretty well a lot of our rants and, it was fun. Uh, and everything. fun i think we did all right yeah um if you want miles we can move on to our next segment then Okay. Uh, and that is events uh let's get into events here um i think we just need to recap we've got two events, events. Yep. Um, I'll share my screen again, guys. We've got two events to share with you guys. One, again, is actually happening as we speak. We gave them a shout-out earlier in the show, which is Z-Days, happening in Blowing Rock, North Carolina. It is happening rain or shine. Uh, Last day is the 21st of May. And when you put that to a calendar, that is uh, Sunday. So from now till Sunday, if you're in the area, check out social media for Z-Days. Again, uh, Z-D-A-Y-Z uh, dot com. And uh, if you are in the area, just 
just pop up, have some fun. Uh, those guys are awesome. This is the 20th annual, so there's a lot of history with this event, and the organizers definitely know how to put on a good show. So, again, props to those guys that are out there listening to us. Uh, we love you guys. Uh, other event we have is Branson Z Fest. We've talked about this, of course, in the past. Uh, we are only 13 days away from Branson Z Fest. This year um, is a very special year. Um, we did have that uh, interview with Josh and uh, Cade uh, regarding Branson. They are given. They're sorry. They are raffling a 350Z Roadster that has been given some much love uh, for this uh, car. That includes a paint job, suspension, a bunch of goodies that have been donated from multiple um, sponsors. Uh, I think that was a picture of one of it there. The part um, of this car is professionally painted, and um, and there is tons of custom aftermarket parts that are being put on this car, and like tribes of people that are working and going over this car. So that yeah. is going to be one hell of a uh, win for somebody to win ticket so i know uh i i don't think we're going to be making branson this year but i can tell you right now i already have my money uh, thrown into raffle tickets already so <laughs> yeah uh if you guys are interested in branson z fest happening in branson missouri again this happens uh later this uh month uh may 31st through june 4th uh for that uh, Z car raffle, you must be in person to claim it. But again, if you go to Z uh, BransonZFest.com, you can get information not only about the events, but also the hotel. And then there are ways that you can reach out to the organizers directly with any questions that you may have. So, um, honestly, Miles, that is events. Uh, we don't got much left here, man. This has been a pretty good show, honestly, man. I, Despite uh, your sniffles, man, I'm glad you stuck it out. Thanks. <laughs> Getting the I'm black lung. Before I, uh, before I part ways with this world. So. <laughs> oh God, man! Don't, don't, tell, tell us how you really feel, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's everything. Um, I give a shout out again to anybody that's been on with us for the length of the show. Thank you mm -hmm. for sticking with us. Um, again, uh, continue to like, share, and subscribe. You can contact us through our social media pages, uh, through Facebook and Instagram. Um, you can also catch us on YouTube. Uh, if you have anything that you want to send us, uh, hopefully we can talk about that in the upcoming show. Uh, info at uh, NissanNerd.com. Um, again, uh, try to send that to us in a timely manner. We'll try to add that onto the show as soon as possible, or the very very least, we'll try to share it to our uh, share it to our Facebook pages. Try to give you some yes. Social media, we definitely are present on social media, and we are definitely growing our Instagram and YouTube channels. This video will be is obviously live through YouTube at the moment. It will be cataloged through YouTube, and then we can also find us in audio formats through most uh, major uh, audio uh, podcast networks. So just search for Nissan Nerd Podcast. You can find our full catalog. What is this? This is episode 67. So you've got... Quite a few to catch up on. Uh, I think you guys would definitely enjoy them. Uh, we've been doing this just over three years now, and uh, it's been a hell of a ride, man. Well, is that an eye roll? Was that an eye roll? We do it for the money. And the, we, do it. Uh, we do it for the chicks, man. Yeah, right. No, and again, <laughs> we just do this out of sheer, out of our uh, out of love. And uh, so if anybody's got any input to make us better, we're always listening. If you got any events or news that we need to know, we're always willing to listen. So. 
Um, you uh, folks enjoy your nights. I think mm -hmm. that's about all I had, Mike. Um, again, thank you. Um, until then, get in your garage. I always like you better when you're in your garage and make something cool. Yeah, man. I say clean hands are a sign of a, un as a wasted life, man. So <laughs> <laughs> for those that are with us, Kanpai, join us if you got it. Guys, thanks for being with us, and we will see you again shortly on the next episode of the uh, Nissan Nerd Podcast, guys. Thanks.